Okay, tonight we're going to be starting a brand new series that I'm calling Living Heaven on Earth. It's on, ooh, did I hear it? Ooh. <laughs> it's on the book of Ephesians, and I think, I could be wrong, but it's my perception that Ephesians might be the most positive book of the Bible. It's, y- y- you want to be ready to be floating on cloud nine, the book of Ephesians, is it? It's funny because even the language of the book of Ephesians talks often about heavenly realms. The concept that we're going to be looking at and seeing is it's really having a heavenly perspective, living life with that perspective and getting that God has lofty things for us. Like, you know, his, his dreams and desires for us are lofty, but that they are real and that they are reasonable. They're not just pie in the sky, that kind of thing. And in this first section that we're going to be talking about is that God's choice is you. This is a recurring theme that we're going to be looking at. How often do you think about the fact that God wants you? He desires you. Do you think of God that way? Think about that. Like, what does it feel like? Many of us have felt unwanted at times. Actually, we all have. (laughs) It's not many. It's 100%. (laughs) It feels, what does it feel like to feel unwanted? And think about, when we think about, like, in spaces that we've had those feelings, where we thought, you know, and connected with, for me, feeling unworthy, like I'm not worth being wanted, I'm not worth being desired. And this first section of Ephesians, God goes, you're going to see it, it's almost ridiculous, where God goes over and over and over again in using all kinds of language, like intense language and vocabulary to say God wants us. God desires us. Isn't that wild? God could have anything. He's God. God can pick. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like in dating. Do you know what I'm saying? There's certain people that have a big wide of, you know, just go, oh, well, that person's out of my league. Or do you know what I'm saying? You think like that. But God, who's out of everybody's league, <laughs> you know, is saying out of everything that he could choose for himself, he's choosing us. The language here is amazing. It's just, it's so intense. And It really is God trying to get a vision that we get to see how he sees us, how he desires us, and also just what's possible walking with him. So we're going to start in Ephesians 1, in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus and the faithful Uh, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, one thing is, is in the term, which is used often in Ephesians, is in Christ Jesus. You know, it says when we get saved, when we get born again, that Jesus Christ is in us, that he come, you know, that we get born again of Holy Spirit, and we have Christ in us. To be in Christ is to be in fellowship, to be in relationship. It's it's where you live. It's like you choosing, because we can choose to be in Christ or not be in Christ, right? And go, bye-bye, you know, <laughs> it, as far as the relationship. It's, it's a sense of where we're dwelling. So this is to the faithful in Christ Jesus. 
And so the context of what's possible, this kind of outlines, because we had read, remember, in Romans about how to get born again and, and saved and the new birth and the newness of going from death to life. Now this is saying what's possible, and this is the goal. This is like the, the height, the pinnacle of walking with God and having a relationship with God that we're living heaven on earth. That life can be that way. Life does not have to be like drudgery, you know, slaving along, feeling like everything's on your back, everything like that. It's possible to live life right now where you have a sense, where you're looking at life through a spiritual perspective that it's like living heaven on earth. Okay. It says in verse 2, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ says, praise, <laughs> they say hi, <laughs> they, they pass on grace and peace. In verse 3 it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, there's that word, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay, now one thing, notice that it says that he has blessed us. What does that mean? It's past tense, guys. We've been given that already. As far as spiritual blessings, we've got it all. In Christ, we have it all. It says, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. So think about this. What are some of the favorite times in your life that you've been chosen for something? Just think for a moment. Something that really mattered to you where somebody said, I choose you, or whatever it was. You know, as far as <laughs> marriage, that's a kind of a big one. But just thinking about God saying he chose us. He picked us. He said, here we got everything. We got planets, stars, fish, ostriches. I don't know why I always think of ostriches when I think of God making things. There's lots of things out there, trees, what, mountains, I don't know. God's going, hmm, what do I want? Let's see. And God chose us. And we're going to see that word that he chose us over and over and over again. Sometimes I think I relate to God as he's obligated or something. Do you know, like a boss or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he got stuck with these people that are a bunch of losers that he's got to supervise. Do you know, I, have you ever thought of God that way? <laughs> you know, just sort of like, just like, oh, what a handful there's nobody else around here. I'm God. have to do something about that. But that's not how God relates to this or to us at all. It's not a matter of, of God being a tyrant in, in the sky, but it says he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That was the original vision of what God intended for us to be. He definitely didn't intend for the way that things went. And it says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with, look at that, his what? Pleasure. Wait, this is what gives God pleasure? I mean, think of pleasure. Think of what that means to you as far as the concept of what gives you pleasure. You know, pleasure you think of as being a luxury, don't you? I mean, that's what I think, right? Luxury, it's not, it's not like an obligation. It's not, you just go pleasure. Hmm. It's when you get to be greedy and just want what you want and what feels good. And, you know, in that, you think pleasure like, oh, it makes me happy just thinking about it. No work, it's just pleasure. So 
God relates to us that way. Is that bizarre or what? Like God really seriously relates to us as giving him pleasure. Predestined really means decided beforehand. I think some people relate to it like we're on this like little course and, and nobody can change and we're like little robots and this is the way that it goes. And, and that's kind of doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense with many things in life. It doesn't make sense with free will and many other things. So he decided beforehand. You know what, what this reminds me of? Because this is the peril. What about you guys that have children and you thought ahead of time? What's it like to anticipate that, to think about it? The idea of just thinking about deciding beforehand to have a child. Think about what was going on. It's almost like that child exists in some ways before you, you know, even get pregnant because you think about what you want to give them, what you want to do. You have visions about what kind of parent you want to be and I want to go play baseball or I want to play dress up or <laughs> like whatever it is that you think about. I want to do, I want to give my kids what I didn't get and all of those things where you make space and desire and love and plan and have you heard people say when the baby's born and, you know, as they grow up, where the parents talk about how much they wanted, oh, we just wanted you so much. Even, even parents, it, the same thing happens when it, people adopt, too, where the anticipation, you don't even know who the child is, but you just, you've got all of this expectation of what you'd like it to be. That's what this is talking about. God says, just for the same thing, it's for the pleasure you don't have children f for the drudgery of it. Do you know what I'm saying? you like, <laughs> whoop, it's about the time. Better start popping out the kids. But <laughs> it's just what everybody does. You know, if you plan kids, it's usually because there's some desire or longing in it. And so that's what he's saying. It's in love, it says. It's out of God's love. It says God is love that he decided beforehand to have us because it gave him pleasure. That's how he relates to us. What does that do for your heart? How often do we feel unwanted by God or unwanted by people? We had heard earlier in, the, in worship the concept that God is our all in all. When we get how wanted we are by God, what will that do for places that we're not wanted or we haven't been wanted before? I'm telling you, that kind of trumps it all in some ways. You know, for me, it's just like I remember when I first came to know God, that was it. I was rejected by every other person I knew. I don't think that there was a person alive that I felt really loved by. But I got that God wanted me. And that love, man, there was just, I was like, at that point, it was just like, man, this just does it all. Like, God's love is that big. And it is that big that even when we are unwanted, even when we are rejected by people, that love doesn't go away. It's not conditional. The adoption, we're going to talk about this in the Seekers Retreat, but adoption was something that was not revocable in, uh, during that time. So God speaks about that we are born again as children of God, and then it also says that we're adopted. So it gives the double meaning of that we have God's nature as well as the fact that he adopted us so that he can't do any take-backs as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his ple pleasure and will. Will, he gets to choose it. It wasn't like he got stuck with us and decided he liked it. So, what, so pleasure is involved and his will, his choice is involved. 
to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. God's grace he freely gave us. He's not stingy. It wasn't begrudging. The grace is not something he was like stuck with because it's the only way to get out of the mess that we were in. God freely gave us his grace. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Redemption literally means to be bought. Back when I was a kid, we had these redemption centers where we'd have S&H green stamps and books. I don't know if it was around the country, but it's long. It's in the 50s. In the 50s. <laughs> Let me tell you. It was this huge thing. You go to the grocery store and they give you these stamps and you'd lick them and put them in a book. And you had to save up a lot of stamps to get something. But basically you'd, you'd go to the redemption center with your stacks and stacks of books that you saved for an eternity and take them in and you could buy things. So it literally means that you're paying, you, you, you know, well, you know, you know, better example, geez, is the uh, redeeming things for the bottles for like a nickel or, you know, you, whatever, that recycling or you, you take, it says redeem, redemption value is five cents. But it says in him, in Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Jesus Christ literally and by his choice and will bought us with his blood. He was like literally willing to buy us back because the Bible says that we belonged to, to the devil who was the God of this age, that we were under his domain. And literally, God gave his son, Jesus Christ, who paid for each one of our lives with his blood. And I'm telling you, that was a big price to pay. The blood of Jesus Christ. But we have been paid for, guys. There's no more paying again. And in him, and this again, like, do you see the pattern here? All of this is God trying to say how much we mean to him. Usually the, the way you determine what something is worth is what someone's willing to pay for it. It's not a price. You could stick whatever price on you want. This chair is a million dollars. That doesn't mean that the chair is worth a million dollars. It's what somebody willing to pay. So you think about the value and the cost what does that make you worth? If God was willing to pay with the life of his only begotten son with his blood for you, there's never been a higher price paid. That demonstrates what we mean to God. It says in another part of the Bible that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how should he not freely give us all things? Do you see right here how much God is trying to get us to see how much we're worth to him? It says, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, his blood paid for the forgiveness of sins, too, so you don't have to pay it again. Again. High price paid, but it paid for our sins. And it doesn't say, there's not a place where it says only to a certain limit, you know, where you max it out. Only certain sins, but his blood paid for the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he, look at that word, lavished on us. What he lavished his grace on us. 
Wow. With all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. And this is speaking about in Romans we had read and that the whole thing of Jesus Christ and other places, when Jesus Christ gave his life for us, it wasn't known how this was all going to work. God didn't lay it all out. He said it was a mystery. It says that if Satan knew the mystery, that Jesus Christ's life made it so that we could all become born again, saved, and have eternal life, he said he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. So this is speaking about the fact, so keep that in mind when it's saying, he made known to us, this is just, you know, because this was new news back then, the mystery of his will according to, get this, his good pleasure. Again, guys, look at the words. God's calling, it gave him pleasure to do this. Again, it pleased God. It's not obligation, guys. There's not like tons of things that say God gives God pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. To be put in effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, the wording's kind of weird. The King James is a little is better in this because it talks, it talks about in the administration of the fullness of times. It says, will be put into effect when the times have been f- reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So he's talking about we're still moving towards his ultimate vision of what's to come. We're not in a perfect world right now. He's still, he's still working on moving for what's to come. And then in verse 11 it says, in him we were, we were also, look at this word again, what? We were chosen, again chosen, having been predestinated or decided beforehand according to the, that plan is actually the word purpose, according to the purpose of him who works out everything, accor- it's in conformity, it's according with the purpose or counsel of his will. So it basically has said he chose us. That he des- Again, same thing. He decided beforehand according to the purpose of him that works out everything. It says, in order that we who were first to hope in Christ be made to the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And that seal was something that signified that you belong to somebody. So it says that when we believed that we heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, we believed it. At that moment, we were marked. We were marked that we belonged to God. And the, and the seal is the promised Holy Spirit, that God put Holy Spirit inside of us. And verse 14, the King James says which. It's the word hos, H-O-S, which should be translated which. It says, which is a deposit or a down payment guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are uh, God's p- possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit that he gave is a down payment to know that Jesus Christ is coming back to get us. It's something that it guarantees what's to come. That that's what was saying, that we were marked, that he put Holy Spirit in us, that, that, we, would, that we would know that it's, it's a promise of what's to come, that Jesus Christ is coming, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, 
and where it says there's no, going to be no more tears and no more sorrow. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Hallelujah. In verse 15, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Man, I pray for this. I pray for this for me and for you. What a prayer to know him better. Think about that in your prayer life. I desire that. You know, I want to know God better. What would that look like for you right now to know God better? What would that feel like? I can't think of anything more. I want that. You know, I get that there's a limit for how much we can know God, but I get when I feel like I know him more. When I get him. It looks where I understand God, where I understand his heart, where he doesn't feel far away, where I get that he loves me, where I'm seeing him work in different parts of my life, where I'm seeing the evidence of God around me. It's heaven on earth. Life differently when I'm not doing that and I'm just living where I'm looking at what's in front of me, it's not that fun. It's kind of drudgery. It's like I feel like a little drone. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just got, you, 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 I ever felt like that? You know, like a little ant or something, you know, carrying your load and you don't really see around you very well. You know, probably I'm thinking ants don't see that far. <laughs> it's just like, that's not, that's not the desire for God. This is something we should be praying for ourselves and praying for one another. I pray so you may know him better in verse 18. I pray also, oh, love this. This is a prayer. Think about this. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What would, be the, what, what would that mean? A heart doesn't have eyes, right? Not last time I checked. So what does that mean? What do you think? It's a figure of speech. What, what is the connection, like what the relevance of eyes in a heart? Being able to see the idea. What would it mean to have your heart see things? Have you ever had your heart be stupid and not see things? <laughs> Blind heart? <laughs> it's kind of, we've, we've experienced that at times, probably, right? Having blind heart. So it's like the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, what would that look like? Think about what does light do? It dispels darkness. It reveals things. You see stuff you're not seeing. What a prayer. I pray for that every day. That's been a prayer of mine, too. Like, I passionately, there's nothing, you want, we want to be seeking things in prayer. Like, seeking. Like, be seekers in prayer, not check off the box prayer. I pray, God, let me see what I'm not seeing. He's been showing me things, too. It's a little shocking. Like, wow, okay, I've been missing some stuff. It's like, if you ask for that, if you really have a desire to see what you're not seeing, you know, that the eyes of your heart being enlightened. God will answer that prayer. Seek and ye shall find. In order, and this is why you want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened, in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. Do you guys, how much do you see what your calling is? Like each person is being called by God. There's nobody that he's like, oh, not calling that person. 
So how much are we hearing of what God's calling in us? And every person's calling is unique to them. Every person is a gift in the body of Christ that's one of a kind and unique. What is God calling you for? Some, we have some similarities. There's certain things God has called every single one of us to. God's called us to prayer. God's called us to evangelism. There's things like that that we're all called to do. But how we do that is unique to who we are. And, you know, we all have a one-of-a-kind way to contribute. It says, you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Saints are just people that believe we're saints. You can say hi to each other. We should start doing that, right? Hey, St. Melanie. Hey, St. Mike. That's <laughs> what God calls us. God calls us saints. Might not feel like saints, but St. Patty. <laughs> yes. San Miguel. So when we do, um, so the idea is, how would you like to know? Think about this, because God can show you. This is what I'm saying, heaven on earth. How have we been living below par? God wants to show each and every one of this. this. God wants this to be alive in our minds that we would know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and, oh, you know, my gosh, his incomparably great power for us who do what? Believe. Look at that word. We incomparably great power. Does God have some incomparably great power? He wants us to know his desire that we have the power of God that he has towards us who believe. How much are you seeing the power of God in your life? Are you seeing it the way you'd like to? Is there some growth that you'd like to see in that? I want it more. I'm telling you, like, when I stop being a drone, like a little ant that's just looking at, like, immediate things in front of my face and living for the things... You know, like just menial stuff. You know, but when I'm in a zone of praying to see God, to know him, to want to know what his calling for me is, to want to see what I'm not seeing, and I see the power of God, whew, life doesn't feel so heavy, does not feel boring, it does not feel routine. Gosh, I want that for me and I want that for you. I've definitely tasted some of this. I've tasted being on a high. I've tasted being on a high where every day I saw the power of God and went, amen, praise God. God wants that for us, and you know what? It is available. Every single person here can have that every day. It won't look perfect, mind you. It won't look every day, but you can have it every day. This is something we want to be praying for and seeking. To, to fulfill God's call in us. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. <laughs> 
which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. (laughs) Yeah, that's just a little example of the power. That's just one example of many. It says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, Jesus Christ, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. We are as a church. It's not, not, you know, all, all of us that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are a part of the church. It doesn't matter what church you go to. All of us. You know, we are a part of that. And we want to see that, that way, too, that we are all a part of the body of Christ. With, and Christ is the head of the church. You know, he is the one that is, that is leading us. He is the one that fills us in everything. In every way. But this is available, guys. This is just like, do you see? God wants to paint a vision of what he, like, God's got big stuff. Life does not have to be boring. We can live life on the spiritual realm. You know, it really is, it taught, you know, it's, it really is a matter of keeping our eyes fixed on him and getting you know, what a big deal it is that, like, that who we are. Getting how much we mean to God that we're chosen. Getting that we've got Holy Spirit. And that this is not just it. Part of this is also getting that our lives right here is not the whole thing. You know, this is just a little bit. You know, 80, 80 years. we got eternity. We want to be living for eternity. We want to be living in the heavenly realms. We want to be living for God. Amen? Amen. Okay, let me pray. Uh, God, I, I can't believe you chose us. I, I don't feel very... Um, who am I? God, who am I? Um, but I, I get when I am in your presence and when I spend time in your presence, I, I begin to see things the way that you see them, I begin to see your love and your care. God, I want to grow to understand more, to understand you. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship. I don't want you to be my genie. I want you. I want to know you as God and as my father. I want to understand. And I know that it's limited that now we see through a glass darkly, but I know you've promised a lot that you can show us a lot. Help us all to see you and to get that you lavish us with your grace. And that out of all the things in the world that you designed, that we are the ones that you chose. That that's how much we matter to to you. That it was not out of obligation, but it was out of love and desire that you wanted to have a relationship, that you wanted to have children. Anyway, help us all to see that, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.